Hello and welcome everyone to Westside Christian Church. Today, John Wade is bringing the teaching to you. So grab a Bible and join us as we study God's Word together. office for more than five minutes, you know about daytime television. Interesting thing, isn't it? And if you've watched daytime television for more than five minutes, you know that you can hear some very outlandish things, including some of Satan's favorite lies. If you ever turned on one of the various religious TV networks, you might have even heard it there too, not just on daytime talk shows. And it's a lie today that we're going to be focusing on that sounds very appealing. There's a lie that Satan tells that sounds so loving, so open, so tolerant and kind that many have been taken in by it and led away to spiritual death with it. So what is the lie? The lie is this. All paths lead to heaven. All religions lead to God. All ways are true. All paths are valid. All journeys end the same place. The list goes on and on of the same idea worded a little bit differently. Proclaiming that every one of us is searching for the exact same thing and heading in the exact same direction. And that it's simply our way of getting to the one final destination that varies. In this way of thinking, the various uh, variations in belief uh, and behavior don't matter. Because ultimately we are all worshiping the same God in different ways. But this is a lie. If this is your first time joining us or your first time back in a while, we are um, finishing up uh, a series called Do You Know Your Enemy? And it's all about Satan and who he is, what he's like, and what his most significant um, and important tools are that he uses in waging war against us. What are his favorite lies? Over the course of this series, we've discovered that Satan is a created being who rebelled against the one true God and then convinced both some angels and mankind to rebel as well. But he didn't do this because he cares about us. He hates us and wants to kill us. We learned that Satan is not only a liar, but a murderer. And he has, has been so for so long that it has become his nature And we, just like Adam and Eve, are deceived by him time and time again. But I believe we can fight back as Christians and that we can resist Satan by the power of the Holy Spirit. How? By knowing the tools that our enemy comes against us with. By knowing his favorite lies. Do you know your enemy? You should, because he knows you. Satan loves to lie. And we've looked at some of his biggest ones over the last couple weeks. Like, number one, God is not trustworthy. Uh, Number two was, if it feels right, then it can't possibly be wrong. Number three was, God could never love someone like you. And number four was, the Bible's full of errors and contradictions. And finally today, it's all paths lead to God. So let's break down the lie. 
First of all, why is it that this lie is so appealing that even many Christians will forego the truth of God's word for it? Perhaps it's because the lie seems so tolerant and loving and humble. I've personally encountered atheists and agnostics who believed that Christians were very narrow-minded, intolerant, bigoted, and obstinate because we simply believe that there is only one way to the true God. They say that we're full of hubris, that we're arrogant, that we lack humility. But is it really such a mark of humility to, and love to think in such a way that all paths lead to God? Think about it for a second. What this group of people has effectively said is that any religion that teaches that it's the only way to God is narrow-minded and prideful. But aren't they guilty of the same thing? Aren't they guilty of being narrow-minded and prideful in declaring that we're the only ones who are right by believing all paths are valid? You're wrong. Aren't they hypocrites just like we all are? They declare that their pluralistic and syncretistic view is the only correct one. And that if you don't get on board, you're wrong. So they're declaring other people to be wrong, which they claim is wrong, but they're doing the same thing. Blaring contradictions exist in their ideology. Yet thousands of people, millions even, believe the lie. Because they think it makes them sound enlightened and loving. It doesn't, and quite frankly, it makes you look foolish and uneducated to those of us who have actually taken the time to study the religions of the world. See, one of the things that I loved about my education at Bible college and why I value my time there so highly is because we examined the major religious texts from the world religions. It was required reading. We had to read in the Quran. We had to read in the Bhagavad Gita. We had to read these things to understand our enemy, to understand how he tries to twist religion, how he tries to make it about humanity and about the glorification of self rather than the glorification of the one true God. We had to study this. And in studying all of these major world religions and their sacred texts, We had to see the differences. You had to. It was impossible not to see how very different and and contradictory they were to one another. Some religions have many gods, some only one. They all had different goals, different ideas, different values, different systems. They couldn't all be the same or lead to the same place because they all didn't even worship the same God. There's a man named John, John Dodson who once wrote a series on religious pluralism in which he said the following, this is a quote. When religious pluralism says that there are many ways to God, it's, it's not humble. It actually carries an air of arrogance about it. How? Religious pluralism insists that its view, all ways lead to God, is true, while all other religions are false in their exclusive teachings. Religious pluralism dogmatically insists on its exclusive claim, namely that all roads lead to God. The problem, as we've seen, is that this claim directly contradicts many religions like Islam, Hinduism, Judaism, and Christianity. The claim of the religious pluralist 
is arrogant because it enforces um, uh, unbelief on on others. It says to other religions, you must believe what I believe, not what you believe. Your way isn't right. In fact, all of your ways are wrong and my way is right. There isn't just one way, insert your way to God. There are many ways. You are wrong and I am right. This can be incredibly arrogant, particularly if the person saying this hasn't studied all the world's religions in depth and makes this blind assertion. Upon what basis can the religious pluralists make their exclusive claim? Where is the proof that this is true? To what ancient scriptures, traditions, and careful reasoning can they point? End quote. They can't point to any. Because the lie is based on emotion. It's based on trying to be agreeable and living in peace with one another without disagreement and without conflict. It's not based on text. It's not based on fact. It's not based on history. It's not based on scripture. It's not even based on church tradition. It's based on emotion. Because a lot of people nowadays, they want to avoid conflict at all costs. That is the great sin. Conflict. We should all just go along to get along. But my friends, there's a word for that. It's called cowardice. If you will not do your due diligence to search for truth and then boldly proclaim it and defend why you believe it, you are a coward. Because if anything is worth fighting for, isn't it the truth? If anything in the world is worth fighting for, isn't it the truth? So how do we know that this is a lie, that all paths lead to God is a lie? How do we know that all the daytime TV hosts are wrong? John, how do you know that all paths don't lead to God and that all religions aren't the same? Simple, two reasons. Number one, all roads don't lead to Rome. So how could all religions be about the same God? Let me give you my reasoning behind such a seemingly simple and silly statement. Roads are pretty simple things when you think about them, aren't they? They've basically just, they're basically just glorified pathways, trails that have been widened and paved over time. They're so simple, yet they're all very different, aren't they? They look different, they feel different, they're made different. And you definitely know if you've been down a stretch of uh, Interstate 26 between Exit 19 and Boone's Creek that all roads are not the same. You can feel the bump, 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 bump as you go along, right? Every time I go through that stretch of highway, I always think, oh man, I got a flat tire. <laughs> and you'd think after all these years of going down the same stretch of highway, it would kick in automatically. Ah, I'm, I'm just here. But no, every time, flat tire. But even more than the feel of the road, all these roads are different. They're different not just in their feel, their look, their making. They're different because of the destinations that they connect. You pick a road based on where you want to go. If you wanted to go from Johnson City, say, to Nashville, could you just hop on Interstate 26 and go until you got there? Could you? If you think, uh, if you think, so, uh, if you think so, then you obviously haven't really um, studied interstates very much. You haven't looked at a map in a while. Interstate 26 is nominally east and west. What direction does it 
actually go. It's more of a northwest, southeast diagonal, isn't it? And if you just keep driving on it, if you just keep going on that road, you follow it to its ultimate end, you would either end up where? In Kingsport or in Charleston. Bingo. You know your roads. (laughs) Neither of these places is anywhere near Nashville. Now think with me for a moment. With roads, all we're dealing with is our relative position in geometrical space. A very simple thing. Now, I know, math. Mm, mm. Don't worry, we're not going there. Okay? Not, not my expertise. But all we're dealing with with a road is a very simple path that navigates through three-dimensional geometrical space. It's simple. It's not that complicated. You can look at a map and figure out your route. Well, some people can look at a map and figure out their route. Google can tell you if you're not one of those people. But it's not that complicated. Now think with me about religion. What destination are we talking about when we speak about religious paths? We're talking about something that involves the supernatural. Perhaps even what we would label the metaphysical. With religion, we are talking about traditions and histories that go back centuries and centuries for the older ones, even multiple millennia for the oldest. You're going to tell me that with no historical backing, no research or scholarly documentation, that you would stake your soul completely on the unfounded and illogical idea that all religions are essentially the same worship the same God, and get you to the same destination spiritually. That's one of the most unintelligent things I've ever heard. And I've heard some doozies. How small and diminished your view of religion must be if you don't understand that all religious paths don't lead the same place. Don't be fooled by the lie of Satan. All paths don't lead to God. Number two, let's make it even more simple. Taking a reason and logical approach, but now let's take an even more simple and important approach. What does the Bible say? Number two is Jesus and his followers made clear that there is only one way to God. If you have a Bible, open up to John chapter 14, and we're going to be taking a look at verses 1 through 6, but especially verse 6. Now, for the sake of time, we're going to ignore the centuries of history in the Old Testament where God was ticked over this very issue because Israel, his people, were basically committing spiritual adultery, sleeping around with other religions, experimenting with pagan worship, and participating in idolatry and pagan sacrifices. Let's ignore those obvious passages. Like say, oh, the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20, where two of the commandments are unmistakably about the worship of the one true God, Yahweh. Let's look exclusively at just the New Testament. Everyone likes Jesus, right? Because Jesus is just all right with me, according to the Doobie Brothers and the Birds. So many New Age, New Spirituality proponents 
So many cults, so many religions all want to claim Jesus as their own patron saint, their own spiritual guru. But what does Jesus himself say according to the reliable eyewitness testimony of the people who actually knew him, loved him, followed him, and learned from him? What does Jesus actually say about religion and religious belief and the right path to God? John chapter 14, verse 1 through 6. Again, primary text, verse 6. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know uh, where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, period. All right, I emphasize the period. In this particular passage, we see Jesus is talking to his disciples. They're having a little conversation. There might have been some other people around, but we don't really see that in the text right at this moment. In speaking with them, he says, you believe in God. Good. And he's not talking about just some general idea. He's not talking about some pagan religion. He is talking about Judaism, Yahweh, the one true God. And then he says, believe also in me. Jesus is declaring himself to be God, not another God, God, the one and only and eternal being who exists, possessing one nature, eternally present in three distinct persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is important. Jesus isn't creating a pantheon. You'll hear from our Muslim friends that we're pagans because we worship three gods. No, we don't. That is a profound uh, inaccuracy based on their misunderstanding of the Trinitarian nature of God. We do not worship three gods. Jesus never set himself up as another god. He said, I am God. More clearly and more accurately, according to the text, I am Sound familiar? God's own name, when he's asked to give it, I am who I am. Jesus says, I am. And people are missing it, especially nowadays, because it doesn't translate well. This is important. Jesus literally says this over and over and over again. He isn't creating a pantheon. Look just four chapters earlier, John chapter 10, verse 30. Jesus says this, I and the Father are one. Jesus says, believe in me. I am God. I'm going to my Father's house to prepare a place for you. And in the middle of all of this talk about this new place that Jesus is going to prepare, Thomas, yes, doubting Thomas, one of my favorites, Doubting Thomas, ever the skeptic, ever the rationalist, ever the intellectual, says, uh, question Jesus. We don't know where you're going. How do we get there? We don't know the way to this place. 
And Jesus says, yes, you do. You're looking at him. Jesus makes one of the boldest claims in all of history. And it's either a lie or it's truth. It can't be both. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Boom! Jesus says, you want to get to God? You want to know the pathway to God? I'm the only way. You want to know the truth about God? I am the visible image of the invisible God. You want eternal life? I am life. bold statement that it's either true or it's a lie it's the only options and here's the thing all the false religions in the world all the false spiritualities they want to co-opt jesus because they think he's a great spiritual teacher when he says to love your neighbor as yourself they think he's a great spiritual teacher when he says Love God and love other people. Those are the two greatest commands. But they hate this verse. Where Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We've seen it. I won't play it for you again because I played it a couple times. You've seen it with your own eyes. Oprah, who loves the first part of that verse. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I like it. No one comes to the Father except through me. I don't like it anymore. Really? It's either true or it's false. Which one? Either you love it or you hate it. Which one? Pick your poison, Oprah. Jesus is right or he's wrong. C.S. Lewis once made the claim, Jesus is only one of three things. He's either a liar and one of the most evil in all of history, or he's a lunatic. He's a crazy man who thinks he's God, and I've met several on the streets who thought they were God. Or, third option, and the one that Lewis believed and claimed, and I believe and claim, he's Lord. Liar, lunatic, or Lord. It's your only three options. In two of those, he's lying, whether he knows it or not. The third one, telling the truth. So which one is it? Either Jesus is telling the truth or he is the worst liar and most abominable villain in all of history for convincing us to follow and believe that he is God. He can't be both a great spiritual guru and a villain. He can't be both God and a liar. Scripture outright tells us God cannot lie. It is contradictory to his nature because he is truth. So which is he? Is he right that he's the only way to God or is he wrong? Is he honestly himself God or is he some daytime TV host from way back when? Jesus was convincing enough that some of the most well-educated people of his day, the most intellectual, and even, yes, some of the most skeptical and obstinate people changed their minds after encountering him, and they believed. Luke, a companion of the Apostle Paul, 
and a doctor, writes two books of our Bible, uh, recording as detailed a history uh, as he can of Jesus' life and the acts of the apostles. He writes in Acts chapter 4, verse 11 through 12, the bold words of one of Jesus' closest friends and followers, Peter. He records what Peter said. He says, This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Jesus convinced some of the most intellectual people. Luke was a doctor, well-trained, well-educated, probably one of the most well-educated people of his day, period. He believed, and believed it important enough that he set out to investigate the claims of Christianity and to record those, those pieces of eyewitness testimony. And it wasn't just Luke. Think about Paul, who was Saul, a man who hated Jesus, who thought Jesus was a heretic, well-educated, Again, one of the most intellectual people of his day sat at the feet of a well-known rabbi that is still uh, proclaimed as one of the most intelligent rabbis in all of history, Gamaliel. And he changed and believed because he saw Jesus. He saw the risen Lord appear to him. Doubting Thomas, who said outright, I won't believe that Jesus is risen unless I touch him. I want to see it with my own eyes. I want to poke him. And he did. You would think, oh, Jesus is right there. He just appeared to him. Seeing is believing, right? Now Thomas still wanted to poke him. And he did. He touched the hands and feet of the risen Lord. Saw where the spirit pierced his side. Perhaps one of the most interesting and most amazing claims. And why I think that Jesus is indeed God is that one of the people who confesses him as Lord, he would have known if Jesus was lying. He would have known because he spent practically every day of his life growing up alongside Jesus. James. Jesus' half-brother, James. Now think about it. Your siblings, you got siblings. They know all about you, don't they? They got stories they could tell on you. All kinds of little secrets from growing up, things you did that mama never found out about. If anybody ever had blackmail material, it's your brothers and sister. Now you got it on them too. That's why they keep their mouth shut. But they know. If anybody would know that Jesus is not God, if anybody would know that Jesus was lying, it would be James. And for a while, James was skeptical. He wondered about his half-brother as he traveled around healing and teaching and preaching. He knew he was special. He knew he was different. But God? But James changed his tune really quick because he saw something that tends to change people's minds. He saw a man who was dead come back to life.
think about the people who called Jesus friend. Peter, James, and John. I don't know about you, but when it comes to my friends, I love them very much. I don't think any of them are God. Peter, Luke, Paul, Matthew, Thomas, all of these people were entirely and completely convinced that Jesus is indeed God and the only way to the Father. They believed Jesus at his word, that he is the only way to the Father. And they're not the only ones. Billions of believers have come before us and have left a legacy. So very funny, I got to talk about heritage this morning with the trailman. You want to talk about heritage? We got it. We have a rich history in Christendom. We have writings detailing the belief of our brothers and sisters in Christ dating back centuries and millennia. And it's not just what they believed that they detailed, but why they believed. And all of them believed in Jesus. The church has believed exactly what Jesus says historically. It's only been in recent history that we've really seen this bizarre tendency in the church to shift away from believing in scripture, from believing Jesus at his word. There have been heresies throughout history, but they never claimed truly to be the church. They claimed to be their own religion, their own cult, their own sect. They didn't claim to be the church. My friends, don't be taken in by Satan's lies. Don't believe that all paths lead to God because they don't. Satan wants to sidetrack you. He wants to show you every different path possible in hopes that one will lead you astray. He wants to show you the ones that are most attractive, brightest, shiniest, that look the most fun, that look the most appealing to our human nature of wanting to achieve and earn. But here's the issue. You can't earn salvation. You can't earn forgiveness. You can't merit or warrant forgiveness from sin. And this is the lie of the other religions, that there's a karmic system. They may not term it that way, but they believe in a karmic system. Good deeds on this side, bad deeds on this side. And as long as you somehow manage to put more good deeds over here to outweigh your bad, you'll be okay. That's not what Jesus taught. We are told many times over in Scripture that all sin leads to death. It doesn't matter how many good deeds you put over here, you don't undo the evil of one bad deed on this side. It doesn't rewrite or erase or outweigh the one bad deed over here. But here's the thing. None of us have ever just done one bad deed, have we? Let's be honest. We'd like to think we can count them over here. But I got more bad deeds on this side than I got good deeds. More than I'll ever have. More than I'll ever have. 
I could spend the rest of my life in service to Christ my King. I could spend the rest of my life just reading the Bible and somehow still manage to put more sin on this side than good deeds on this side. And I would never manage to erase my debt. But here's the awesome thing about Christianity. We're never asked to erase our sin. We can't. We can't. But Jesus can pay for it, and he did. We have a wonderful song in Christianity. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Jesus paid it all. Every spiritual debt that I owe has been paid. My way to God has been cleared. My salvation has been secured. The narrow path that leads to God has been illuminated by him. And here's the truth, friends. If you are not on that one narrow path, you are in danger of hell. Period. So my challenge to you this morning is, what path are you on? Do you even know? What road are you taking? Jesus said to enter through the narrow gate that there's a wide path that lots of people like to take that leads to destruction. Don't enter by that. Enter by the narrow gate. And the narrow gate is one where you come to Christ empty hands. I have nothing to offer you. But I trust you. I believe in you. Please forgive me. This is Christianity. Empty hands before an eternal, loving, holy, just, and merciful God. And it's a hard thing for our pride to accept. It's the hardest thing in the world to look at empty hands and know you've got nothing. But it's the only way. And this morning, you have the chance to believe, to repent, to trust Jesus, to come with those empty hands. We're going to have a time of invitation. And this moment is for you. If you have not believed in Jesus as Lord, if you've not trusted him, this is your moment. There's nothing you can bring. Come with empty hands. And he will give to you life. If you're ready to do that right now, this is your moment. Come forward as we stand and as we sing. Thanks for joining us for the message today. If you would like more information about this and other teachings, or you'd just like to know more about Jesus, visit our website at wccjb.org or come visit us at 1405 Persimmon Ridge Road in Jonesboro, Tennessee. Check our website and Facebook page for service times. We hope you join us again and that we'll see you soon.